Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke 23. We continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And we're seeing Jesus Christ as our Savior. He is the one dying on the cross to pay for our sins. And, of course, as we've gone through the study, Luke has shown that Jesus is the perfect man. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the substitute for our sins. We are seeing what we look at as a horrible time. It's the crucifixion. It's the cross of Christ. It's how Jesus dies for us. He has come from the Father to be the Savior of the world. God so loved us, the world that he gave his Son. He gave him to die on the cross, to rise again, to pay for sin and to conquer death. And that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. As we study this section this morning, really several things stand out. We're going to see, first of all, some prophecies. We're going to see some prophecies that will be fulfilled. And then we're going to see, we're seeing, of course, the seven sayings of Jesus when he's on the cross. In fact, we saw one last week. We'll see two this time. And then we're going to see and continue to see the timeline of the events while on the cross and his death. And we'll take you through how all that fits together. This morning, we're going to see two of the seven statements that Jesus made when he was on the cross. We saw one last week with the two this morning. The first statement will be with the thief in the paradise where Jesus Jesus tells the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. What's he talking about? How does that work? And then the second statement, we have to actually go to a different book. We'll go to the Gospel of John. We'll see Jesus talking to his mother and his mother and John. And we'll see how that ties together. So may we understand these truths as, and, as we see God's Word and then make application because that's really the key to everything. Well, let me ask you this question. What happens to a person when they die? Do they go to heaven? Do they go to hell? Do they go to the lake of fire? Do they go to paradise? Do they go to sleep? Or are they just asleep? What happens to people when they die? Well, you know, we go to God's Word and we can get some great truths concerning this. We know that Jesus Christ came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin, to conquer death, and that all who believe in Him have salvation. They have eternal life and will spend eternity with Jesus. But the Bible tells us this, that when a believer dies... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father on high. And so when you, if you were to die, your body would go in the grave and you would be uh, in the presence of the Lord at the right hand of the Father. Now, that's what we know. And so it's a great powerful thing. But here's another question. What about unbelievers? Where do they go? What happens to them? What happens to people or what happened to people who died before Jesus came and died on the cross? What happened there? Well, this morning, as we continue in our study, we're going to see Jesus telling the thief on the cross, he tells him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, where is this? Where's paradise? What's going on? How does all this fit together? Well, we'll see this as we go through our study. Well, let's begin. Let's think about where we are. Jesus is, and as we're studying this, of course, we know this has already happened, but as we're studying it, we're seeing Jesus being crucified. He is found not guilty by the Romans, but because of the uproar of the religious leaders, Pilate delivered him over to, to his death. He has been taken to a place called the skull. In fact, in verse 33 of Luke 23, it says, They came to the place called the skull. We talked about this. The Latin word for skull is Calvary. The Hebrew word for skull is Galgotha. The Greek word for skull is cranium. And so we, we talked about this several weeks ago, that something had to do with the skull, wherever it was, when they took him there. So when you sang songs about the cross of Calvary, it really means the cross of the skull. We saw that he was crucified with two criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And last time we saw a number of prophecies that were being fulfilled as Jesus died on the cross. And let me give you some of them just to remind you. We saw Isaiah 53 verse 12 where it said that he would be numbered with the transgressors. That's the fulfillment of that. Jesus died and there were two robbers, two criminals with him that he was counted with them. Psalm 22:16, written by David a thousand years before Jesus was ever born, says that they would pierce his hands and feet. It was talking about the Messiah. That's exactly what they did when they crucified 
crucified him. Psalm 69, 21 said they gave him vinegar to drink, which is sour wine, and that's what they gave him. And then as you look a little further, Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8, talked about how they would mock him. They would make fun of him. We've already seen that the crowd is mocked him. The religious leaders have mocked him. The soldiers mock him. Even the criminals mock him. We'll see that. And then Psalm 22, 18, they cast lots for his clothing. And, I mean, that's exactly what we see in verse 34, where Jesus was on the cross, and these the soldiers decided that they, he had one thing that uh, was very valuable. They did not want to tear it, so they cast lots for it. All of these are being fulfilled. And let me tell you this. We talked about it last week. Every prophecy dealing with Jesus Christ first coming to this earth, every one of them were fulfilled literally. Every one of them. There are many prophecies dealing with Jesus Christ second coming to this earth. They had not happened yet. But I can guarantee you they will be fulfilled exactly and perfectly. Now, while Jesus is on the cross, best we can tell from the Bible that he speaks seven times. I mean, he says seven different things. And we find three of them in the Gospel of Luke, but we have to go to some of the other Gospels to get them. I put them up last week. Let me remind you of them. I hadn't put the whole statement, but the first one is, he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. We saw that last week. And then he says to the thief, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. We'll see that one this morning. And then to his mother, he says, woman, behold your son. It goes on to say, and he tells John, son, behold Hold your mother, and we'll talk about that one. And then uh, he says, and this is one of the key ones, really, and we'll see this next week. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was going on then? And we'll see it. Then he says, I thirst. And he did that so that uh, they would give him something to drink so he could say the next statement, which is the key, key one. He says, it is Finished, And we'll talk about when we get to that, it might be a week or two, what, what was, what's finished? What's he talking about? And then finally, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That's right, when he dies, that's how he gives up his life. So we'll see those. Now, last time we saw the first one, which dealt with forgiveness. This morning, we're going to see the next two. One deals with paradise. The other deals with Jesus as he talks to his mother. Now, when we look at this, and, and, and we're going through it, and I'm sorry that we have to go slow. We have to because if we're going to get all the things that happened, and if we go to the other places in the Bible to get the seven statements, We'll just have to go a little bit slow. And it's a sad time. And the truth is, it's not really that much fun looking at this because our Savior is dying. But it's really a great time. And let me tell you why. It's because he's dying for us. Because Jesus Christ is our Savior. He came to the earth and died on the cross to pay for our sins. First Peter 3.18, Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. He is the one dying for us to give us salvation. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place. He takes our sin upon himself. First Peter 2.24 says, he bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. Jesus is the one who has provided the way of salvation. You remember John 4? 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What we are seeing is the great story of the Bible. Let me show you this. You know what the story of the Bible is? It is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. How God, the perfect God, takes mankind who is sinful and fallen, and he brings us back to himself, but he does that using his son, Jesus Christ. And if you take the Bible as a whole, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where the promise says the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent. That's the first promise of a redeemer. And all the way through the Bible, we're looking forward to this Messiah who's going to come and die and pay for sin. And then Jesus comes and he dies and pays for sin, rises again. And the whole Bible fits together of saying, here's how God is going to take us and bring us back into a relationship with himself, which gives us life, eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ. That's what we're seeing on the cross. And it is a powerful truth. 
We see the horror of the cross, and yet Jesus brings the way of salvation by his death. As we begin, remember this, that he's on the cross and he's being mocked. I mean, it's a horrible time. I mean, we see Jesus dying for us, and they're mocking him, they're making fun of him, they're making faces at him. And some people are saying this, if you are the Christ, if you are, and they're making fun of him, if you really are the Christ, why don't you come down and save yourself? We saw last time that he cannot come down off the cross. Because he cannot save himself. If he saves himself, he cannot save us. He is dying for us. He is taking our place. He is our Savior. And so when they made fun of him and said, If you're the Christ, come on down off the cross. The truth is, he can't come down. Now, they wanted him to prove that he's the Christ. If you're really the Christ, come down. He proved it, but he proved it three days later when he rose from the grave. Well, this morning we're going to see more mocking. We see the crowd is mocked him, the religious leaders mocked him, the soldiers have mocked him. Now we're going to see two criminals. They're being crucified with him. You remember Jesus in the middle, and there's one on his right and one on his left. And what we find from Matthew chapter 27, verse 44, is that both criminals were making fun of Jesus. So the crowd's making fun of Jesus, the religious leaders are making fun of Jesus, the soldiers are making fun of Jesus, and even the two criminals who are beside him on the cross, uh, they're making fun of him. But we're going to see in this passage something happens. Let me break it down for you. I want to show you this. We're going to do several things this morning. First of all, we're going to see Jesus and the criminals, Luke 23, 39 through 43. One blasphemies Jesus, one rebukes the other. One thief trusts in Jesus, that's verse 42, and we'll see Jesus declares the thief will be with him. Now, that's that section. Now, that, that's the, the second saying of Jesus. To get the third saying, we have to go to the Gospel of John. We're going to see this is where Jesus and his mother will go over to John 19, verses 25 through 27. We'll go fairly quickly toward the end. We'll see the women of the cross, who they were, and then we'll Jesus Jesus commits his mother to John. So that's the two things we'll see this morning. We'll go fairly quickly through those. Let's remember the very first saying, verse 34, it was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. We talked last time about the difference between payment for sin and forgiveness of sin. Payment for sin came when Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid for the sin of every human being, past, present, and future. So every human being has their sins paid for. To have eternal life and to have a relationship with God, you must have forgiveness of sins. That's different than payment. Forgiveness of sins comes by faith. Whoever believes have the forgiveness of sins. We talked about that last week. Now, let's see the thieves on the cross. Look at verse 39. And as Matthew 27 said, 44, that both were rebuking him, but something happens. Notice verse 39. One of the criminals who were, who were hanging there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, here's one of these criminals. He's there. He's done wrong. He's dying for his actions. He's dying for his, what, what he's done wrong. He has done wrong against the Roman government, and they're killing him. But he's hurling abuse. And the way it's written in the Greek, he was kept on hurling abuse. That means he keeps saying bad things to Jesus. The word for abuse is the word blasphemy, which means to say something, to make fun. He was making fun of Jesus. And what he's saying is this. Aren't you the Christ? Aren't you the Christ? If you're the Christ, come down. Save yourself and save us. He's making fun of Jesus. He's looking over at Jesus and saying, I thought you were God. I thought you were the Christ. I thought you were the Messiah. If you really are, why don't you get off and save us? He's making fun of Jesus. And that's a terrible thing, but he's doing it. He's saying, I thought you were God. You claim to be God. You claim to be the Messiah. You claim to be the, the king. I thought you were the Messiah. So if you are, come down off the cross. Save yourself and save us. We talked about it 
Jesus cannot do that. He cannot save himself. If he did, he cannot save us. He must remain on the cross so he can pay the penalty for our sins. He's there for us. Be thankful he did not come off the cross. See, Jesus said, I will prove to you that I am the Son of God. But it's not by coming off the cross. It's by rising from the dead three days later. That's the powerful thing. Now, notice the change. There had been two of them making fun. One of them is making fun, making fun, making fun. Watch what happens, verse 40. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Now one of the others began to, to look at the, the one who was making fun of Jesus and said, Hey, wait a minute. And it says he began rebuking him. And that word means to denounce. It means like saying, Hey, hey, wait a minute. What do you think you're doing? And then he said, Do you not even fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? He said, don't you fear God? Do you realize just in a short time you're fixing to see God? You're fixing to see your maker? See, they realize they're dying. And he says, do you not realize what's happening? Don't you fear God? Don't you fear what's about to happen? You're fixing to stand before your creator. And that's true. And I want you to think about something. Every human being, that's you, everyone, every one of us, will stand before our God and Savior Jesus Christ one day. The Bible actually says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now I want you to understand something. If you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, one day you'll stand before Him as what's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Those three places talk about the judgment seat of Christ. The word judgment is the Greek word bima, which means a rewarding stand. One day, you who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, you will stand before your Savior Jesus Christ at a rewarding stand. And what we want, what we hope, is he will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, First John chapter 2 says that we could be ashamed at his coming. And so I want you to understand that you one day will meet your God. One day you will stand before your Savior. And what we all want to hear him say is well done. And well done means that you are a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never trusted him, one day you will stand before him as what's called the great white throne judgment is found in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And when you stand before him there, every knee will bow and every tongue will give praise. And then he will then cast those people who stand before him at the great white throne judgment, they will be cast into the lake of fire. If you do not know Christ. So the basis of eternal life and the basis of separation is whether you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. But every person is going to stand before God. That's why this guy is telling him, he says, don't you fear God since you're under the same condemnation? He said, don't you fear God because every one of us one day are going to stand before God. And he said, of course, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? Jesus is condemned to die. You're condemned to die. You're fixing to die. He goes on to explain something. Verse 41. And we indeed are suffering justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He says, we're getting what we deserve. We're suffering justly. We've done wrong. We are receiving what we've deserved for our deeds. And literally it says this. Literally, we're getting back for our practice. He says, what we did, we're getting, we're getting back for that. He said, we did wrong. We did the wrong things. And we're dying because what we've done wrong. 
Because there's a principle. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap, you will. Whatever you put in, you're going to get out. Whatever you put in, you're going to get out. He says, we did wrong, we're getting it back. Now listen to this. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. Every one of us in this room have done wrong. Even if you said, I've done very much wrong, I'm a lot better than most people. Yeah, but you've done at least one thing wrong in your whole life. You'd say, well, I've done more than one. Yeah. The wages of sin is what? Death. We all deserve to be separated from God, but by the grace of God, God sent His Son Jesus to die in our place. God is still just in dealing with sin because He poured out the punishment of sin on Jesus. Jesus died in our place. He has provided the sacrifice. He is the substitute for us. And that's why every one of us in the room could say, Jesus Christ is our Savior. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. And whoever believes in Him has eternal life. Now, he said, we're getting what we deserve. But notice the end of verse 41. He says, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus didn't sin. Jesus was the perfect spotless Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the perfect man. He's the only one who is able to pay for the sins of mankind because he's the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. He is the man who knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The reason Jesus could die and pay for our sins is because he's spotless. He didn't have his sin to pay for. He had our sins to pay for. And that's why he can do that because he's the Son of God. Now, I want you to notice the change in this man. He had, the one who is now talking, had been blaspheming along with this other guy. But he realized who Jesus is. He realized that he's a sinner. He realizes that he's done wrong. He realized he's getting what he deserves. He's supposed to die for his wrongs against the Roman government. But he also realizes that he's going to be separated from God. But then he says, you know... Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Savior. One day He's going to come and rule in the King as the King. And I believe as we look at this that this man believes that Jesus is his Savior. That Jesus is the King of Israel. He wants to be with Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 42. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Now the way it's written in the Greek, he didn't say this one time. It says, he was saying... Over and over, Jesus, don't forget me when you come as king. Remember me when you come in the kingdom. See, what he's remembering and what he's saying is, don't forget me. Don't leave me out. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Savior. I don't want to be separated from you. When you come as the king, I want to be with you. Don't forget me. See, the truth that had been taught from the Old Testament is that the Messiah is the king and that he would come. He's the greater son of David. He would come to the earth and he would rule in righteousness and justice. Revelation 19.11 shows Jesus coming as the king. And this man is saying, when you come as king, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Savior. Don't forget me. Don't leave me. He's believing in Jesus is what he's doing. And let me ask you something. What good works has this man done? None. What good works is he going to do? What does he have to offer Jesus? Does he say, listen, if I get off of this cross, I promise you from now on, I'm going to live a lot better life. He doesn't have that to offer. He's not getting off the cross. He can't say, in these last few minutes before I die, I'll think good thoughts. He's not saying that. He has nothing to offer Jesus Christ. Not one thing. 
except the fact that he believes in him as Savior. So what does Jesus say? Look at verse 43. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Now I want you to see, what does Jesus say? Does Jesus look up and go, Look at your life. Look at you. You're bad. You're dying. You're dying for all the wrong that you've done. You don't measure up. Do you think you can come to me right now at the very end, look at me and say, I'd like to believe in you and go to heaven? I'd like to be with you in the kingdom? Do you think that's okay for a person to live a, a life and leave out God and do whatever they want to do? And then right at the end, they say, I believe in Jesus as Savior. They trust him and they get to go to heaven. You know what the answer is? Yes. It's not based on lifestyle, not based on faithfulness, not based if you're being good or not. It's simply faith alone in Jesus. And this man has nothing to offer. He is dying. And he says to Jesus, don't forget me in the kingdom. He says, just today you're with me. Today. And it's true for every human being. Anyone who will believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, right then, he says, today, you with me. Get out of your heads that it's something you're doing, something that you're promising, that it's your faithfulness and it's your goodness. When you look at this passage, there is nothing here but the grace of God that gives salvation. It is by grace that we are saved through Faith. This man believes that Jesus is the Messiah and King. And Jesus said, today, notice, and Jesus said, today, truly, I say to you, that means listen carefully, truly, I say to you, today, you shall be with me in paradise. Wow. So that's the statement. You'll be with me. Now here's the question. What's he talking about? What's paradise? Where is that? What is that? Well, here's what we know. We know back from Matthew chapter 12, 38 through 40, that when Jesus died, Jesus said that as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So what we find out is when Jesus died on the cross, his body went in that tomb, but Jesus went to the heart of the earth. Now, what we found out is, you remember, if you were here back when we back in Luke chapter 16, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus taught a truth about a place which the Old Testament calls Sheol, which means the place of the dead, that's a Hebrew word, or the New Testament uses the word Hades, which means the place of the dead. There is a place in the heart of the earth, which the Old Testament called it Sheol, and the New Testament calls Hades, which is a place. Let me show you this. What we found in Luke chapter 16 that Jesus taught, there's a place in the heart of the earth that has two compartments to it. On one side is called paradise or Abraham's bosom. On the other side is a place called torments. There is a gulf in between that cannot be crossed. Jesus taught this. If you want to, write down Luke 16. Go back and look at the passage some other time. But what we find is this, that when a person died, this is before Jesus died on the cross, but when a person died, if they were a believer, their body went in the ground and their soul and spirit went to the paradise side. If they were an unbeliever, their body went in the ground and their soul went to the torments side. We find that from Luke 16 where Jesus taught. What does Jesus say to this man? He said, the guy said, don't forget me, don't forget me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me where? In paradise. Because Jesus is going to the heart of the earth. Because that's what Matthew 12 tells us. He goes to the heart of the earth. Paradise was the heart of the earth. He goes down there. And that man, what he's telling that man is, guess what? You're going to be with me and you're going to be in paradise. Now, all believers who believed in Jesus Christ before his death and resurrection, went to the paradise. All unbelievers went to torments. Now, I want you to understand something. Listen carefully. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sin of mankind and rose again. 
He has conquered that whole aspect of death, plus he has paid the penalty of sin, which now makes it possible for man to be in the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that Jesus led captivity captive, which means when he went to the heart of the earth, he went to the paradise side after he, died, after he paid for the sin, and he took the believers with him to the heavenly places. Because Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that he was caught up into the heavens into paradise. The Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. Where is Jesus right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. So what we know now is that when a person dies today, if they are a believer, their body goes in the ground, they go to be with Jesus Christ, which is now paradise in the heavenly places, because Jesus is the right hand of the Father. When an unbeliever dies today, their body goes in the ground, and they still go to the torment side. They will be raised from the grave to stand before God at the great white throne judgment that I mentioned a while ago. Now, there's a lot of details there. We did a study on this in my Sunday school class on end times and things like that, so I can't go into the details, but I want you to understand, when Jesus told that man, today you'll be with me in paradise, when Jesus died on that cross, his body was put in that tomb, his soul and spirit went to the heart of the earth, and that man, that thief who, was a, uh, who became a believer, went with him to the paradise side. It's now been changed. And if you were to die today, as one who knows Jesus Christ as Savior, your body would be put in the ground. But you would be with Jesus Christ because to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. He's at the right hand of the Father. So that's the change. I just wanted you to see that. Now, you see two men. One believes, one doesn't. One has life, one doesn't. One's going to paradise, one's going to torments. By faith alone in Jesus Christ, we have an eternal relationship with God. It is not our goodness. And my hope and prayer is that every one of you in this room, that if somebody were to say to you, do you think when you die, where are you going to go? Because to be absent from the body, you're either going to be in torment or you're going to be with Jesus Christ. I hope every one of you in this room would say we would be with Jesus because we've trusted in him and we have eternal life. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so that's where we would be. I hope and pray that for every one of you, you can trust Christ right where you're sitting. It's not your actions. It's not your goodness. It's not your faithfulness. It's simply faith alone, just like the thief on the cross. He said, don't forget me. Faith alone. That's all it is. So our second saying is... Uh, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want you to see the third one. We're going to go really quickly through this one. Uh, the third saying is on the cross, and I want you to just, hold, you can hold your place, or you don't have to, but just turn over to John 19. That's the next book of the Bible, going back toward the back of the Bible, John 19. Look at verse 25. I just want you to see this very quickly, see how it, put, how it fits together, and see Jesus and his third saying on the cross. I hope you're there. Um, I'll start reading the verse. It starts this way. It says, therefore, the soldiers did these things. That's how the verse starts. You have to look at the verse in front of that in order to get it. What they were doing is dividing his garments. They were casting lots for his clothes. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus, look who was there. They were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. Now, if somebody came to you and said, what women were at the cross, if you said Mary... 
you're in great shape. You got three of the four, right? There's three, three of them are named Mary, and then there's one that's got a different name, but uh, she's the uh, Jesus' mother's sister. So what you find is, notice, there's the mother of Jesus, then his, then his sister, and then Mary, the wife of Clephas, and Mary Magdalene. We've got them right here. I want you to see this. Mary is the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary's sister's name is Salome, and Best we can tell from the scripture, she's the mother of James and John, who were two of the apostles. So you realize that two of the apostles were Jesus' cousins. Because that's his mother's sister's boys. That's his cousins. And then notice the third one here is Mary of Clephas, and she's the mother. She's got two sons. One was named James the Less, the other was named Joseph. James the Less was one of the twelve. He was one of the apostles as well. And then there was a lady named Mary Magdalene. And people always say bad things about Mary Magdalene. When you go to the Scripture, the only thing you can find about Mary Magdalene is that she was possessed by demons and Jesus cast the demons out. That's all you can find. So those four women are at the cross. They're watching Jesus as he dies. Notice what's going to happen as he's dying. He, he, first of all, the best we can tell, Joseph is dead. The husband of Mary, he's already dead. None of the brothers, Jesus had four half-brothers. None of them believed in Jesus till after the resurrection. The Bible tells us that. So when Jesus dying, who's going to take care of his mother? Look what he does. Verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and his disciple whom he loved standing nearby... He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Now the disciple standing by is a nickname for John. John was the, one of the closest to Jesus. He, he actually called himself the disciple Jesus loved. He wrote the book of John, the, of course the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. He, he lived longer than all the other apostles. And he's standing there by Jesus' mother. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman. And sometimes people look at that and go, woman, that looks bad. That wasn't, it was a tender way. That was just a Hebrew way of saying, woman, there's your son. He was saying, mama, that's the one that's going to take care of you. And then notice the next verse. And he said to the disciple, behold, your mother And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. So he said to his mother, there's your son. That's the one that's going to take care of you. And then he looked at John and said, there's your mother. Take care of her. And by the way, the way this is written, when it says, and at that hour, behold, at that hour, he took her into his own household. It implies that right then he said, come on, let's go. The best we can tell, maybe Mary wasn't there all the way to the end. That John took her so she wouldn't have to see the very end. It's very powerful. So, John, behold your mother. It's very powerful. Third statement. Well, there's a truth I want you to understand. This is going to sound a little bit strange, but this is what the Bible teaches us. If you're a child, there may come a time that you have to take care of your mother or your daddy. First Timothy chapter 5 says that there may come a time when they may not be able to provide for themselves, they may not be able to take care of themselves, and it is your responsibility as their child to take care of them. We often say, oh, my mother and daddy, they're great, they, do it. they take care of me, how am I going to take care of them? There may come a time when that happens. You be ready, biblically, that when time comes to take care of your folks, if you have to. Well, we see Jesus is on the cross. Next, We've been seeing the events from 9 o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock. Starting next week, we'll begin seeing from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Everything turns dark. 
what happens. We'll see it as we get it next time, as he takes the sin of the world on himself. We've seen Jesus on the cross with two thieves. One blasphemies, one believes. Jesus tells the one who believes, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise is in the heart of the earth for believers before his death and resurrection. Now believers are in the presence of God uh, in the heavenly places. And then Jesus tells John to take care of his mother. Let me give you some applications. You ready? Here's the first one. Understand where a person goes when they die. Have an understanding of this. Put it together. First of all, the believer goes to paradise. Now, before Jesus died and rose again, paradise was in the heart of the earth. Now paradise is with Jesus because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you were to die physically, you would go into the presence of Jesus Christ in the heavenly places, which is called paradise. That's where you'd go. Now, the unbeliever, they still go to torments. Until the final resurrection of the great white throne judgment. Luke 16 tells us this. So sometime if you say, I don't know if I believe all that. Go back to Luke 16. Look at the passage. You can put it together. So understand what happens to people when they die. All who believe have eternal life. All who do not are separated. So here's the key. Trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. See, our response to Jesus determines our eternal destiny. It does. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, you have eternal life with Him and you'll be with Him forever and you'll be in paradise. If you reject Jesus Christ as Savior, you'll be separated from Him. It's called the second death or the eternal death and you'll be in the lake of fire. And I want you to understand something. There's not, it is not your actions, your goodness, your faithfulness that has anything to do with your salvation. It is simply faith alone in Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God's salvation to everyone who believes. John 5.24. Truly, truly, I say to you, here's my word and believes. Ephesians 2.8.9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Romans 3.26. We're all children of God by faith. Over and over again, there are over 150 places just in the New Testament that says you are saved simply by faith. It is that simple. Whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. It's that simple. The last part, just to remember this, take care of your parents. It may come that time. You have to do that. First Timothy 5, as Jesus took care of his mother in that sense, we're to take care of our parents. By faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Being with Jesus and knowing, because having eternal life, being with him, knowing that our response to Jesus determines our eternal destiny. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, help us to understand, first of all, what happens when people die. And we know that a person who's a believer, they automatically go to be in the presence of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that that is eternal life and paradise to be with him. Lord, we know it is so sad, but a person who does not believe will be separated. They go to torments and then finally to the great white throne judgment and into the lake of fire. Lord, that is so sad because they did not believe in Jesus. Lord, we hope and pray that everyone in this room trusts Jesus Christ for eternal life because we know our response to Jesus. Jesus is going to determine our eternal destiny. If we believe, we have eternal life. If we don't, we have eternal death separation. Lord, also, as we look at the passage, realize that there may come a time that we have to, that we have to and we choose to and want to, to take care of our parents. Thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.